hello, hello. Welcome to the 125 Roller Coaster Challenge Trend and Stable Podcast. I'm Paul, and yes, yet again, I am flying solo. But it's not because Janine didn't want to be here. It's mainly because we're talking about our Florida trip, and Janine did not get to go. And if you're familiar with the last few episodes, the first episode, the first leg of this trip, was at Busch Gardens Tampa, and we got to Marathon Iron Guazi. And the second leg was SeaWorld, and we went there for Icebreaker, but we fell in love with Manta, Kraken, and of course, the amazing hypercoaster Mako. So, it's the third part. What are we going to talk about now? Well, the last place we went to was the first time ever at Universal Studios Islands of Adventure. Yes, it was a Monday. It was President's Day. It was busy. But you know what? This park is simply amazing. I went into this with one simple goal, which was to get three out of the four credits that were there. I had to get on Hulk. I had to get on Hagrid's, which of course we all know takes about a year and a half to get through the line. And of course, we had to get on Velocicoaster because if you're going to go with Iron Guazi and everybody talking about how amazing that ride is, you have to compare it to the one that's right down the road. After this week, we're going to get back on track on what we're doing with the different first year, second season kind of stuff there. We went back to the Six Flags Great Adventure. But right now, I want to talk about Universal Studios and Islands of Adventure. So if you noticed when we left off last time, pretty much I ended the night over at SeaWorld and I drove over to, I believe it was the Holiday Inn, which is right across from Universal Studios. If you're familiar with the first part of the leg, one of the pluses that we had was over at the Holiday Inn Express, right in front of Busch Gardens Tampa, where they had an amazing shuttle. Their shuttle, you actually had the gentleman's phone number, you would call to get picked up, he'd be there whenever you needed it. Not the same thing over at the Holiday Inn across from Universal. There, they actually had three or four shuttle times, and you had to make that, you had to sign up in advance that morning. And the other thing, too, was it wasn't just a shuttle for Holiday Inn, it was actually for two other hotels. So I can honestly say that this was probably the worst experience I ever had. And the fact that, yes, I know COVID's pretty much slowed down and is almost done, but we were crammed in there like a Japanese uh, subway. If you ever seen these videos on YouTube where basically everybody piles into this metal tube and they go flying by in the Japanese subway system. This was exactly how I felt. We had people packed on top of people on top of people. And to be honest with you, if we weren't the first stop, there was no way I would ever got on this thing. Even though I highly recommend the Holiday Inn Express right across from uh, Busch Gardens, Tampa, I do not recommend the Holiday Inn there. It was not a good looking hotel. There was a lot of issues uh, with the elevator being possessed and the rooms were cleanish and all that stuff. Yet again, I'm always going to be honest with you guys about my experience. I would not go to the Holiday Inn uh, right across from Universal. And definitely, whatever you do, do not take shuttle system. Actually, on the way back, instead of working on their time, I just Ubered back to my car. All right. So I get there pretty much at rope drop. Uh, I think I got into the shuttle around uh, 8 20 or something like that, pretty much pulled up to uh, Universal right rope drop, which was about uh, nine o'clock. So I get there and my first impressions are, wow, these guys know what they're doing. Uh, this is definitely on par with Disney, with the way they were able to get people into the, uh, I believe it's called the City Walk. I actually bought the uh, one park pass for the one day because I knew I didn't want to rush around. I wanted to actually enjoy Universal Studios. And of course, I had the choice of Universal Studios or Islands of Adventure. Well, of course, with Velocicoaster, there was really no competition. I had to get to Islands of Adventure, which means 
I, of course, have to come back. And I will be bringing my uh, cohort here, Janine, because she's a huge Harry Potter fan. And I don't know anything about Harry Potter. All right. So I get in there. You know, very simple system to get in. Fantastic there. You're overwhelmed. As soon as you walk in there and you go down the uh, city walk, so many restaurants, so many bars, so many different places. It is a fantastic thing. And if I ever move down to the Tampa slash Orlando area, which I am considering, actually, uh, this would be a place that I would just go to regularly. It, there's just so much activity, so many different choices. The City Walk, I, now I personally haven't been to Disney Springs, so I really don't have a, a place to compare it to, but I will be going to Disney Springs sometime in the next year or two, and I will love to actually do an episode where we compare or contrast Disney Springs to City Walk because I think they're going to be very, very similar. Yet again, Universal to me has always been a little bit more grown up than Disney, which of course is how they actually advertise for years. So, first impressions of City Walk, fantastic. Love to go there. And of course, if you're familiar there, you get to the giant lake or pond in the middle there. You can go to the right to go to Universal Studios, or you can go to the left to go to Islands of Adventure. And of course, I'm going to Islands of Adventure. So walking down that way, uh, right before you get to Islands of Adventure, something I personally love, I am a huge Jimmy Buffett fan. And the fact that Margaritaville is right there and they're playing his hits, and it's just a great vibe. And I actually uh, got uh, Janine some crazy socks that were there because I know she likes her crazy socks. I go there, I, I do my pass, I get right into the main entrance. First impressions of Islands of Adventure. Not going to lie, I actually, another shout out to In the loop and of course Legend of Molly because Legend actually did a full walkthrough of Universal Studios Islands of Adventure and it was so helpful and I actually kind of followed the same path he did there when you go in he went to the right I went to the right also if you ever need a walkthrough this is a unsolicited plug but in the loop with Molly and Legend Hyde's good too and so is Drew the intern and the gentleman who does the water parks whose um, name is escaping me right now these guys do a great job on their walkthroughs but in particular Legend of Molly there's a reason why the gentleman's called the legend. He is just fantastic at these walkthroughs. And I always recommend people check it out there before you go to the new park so you're not completely overwhelmed with layouts and stuff like that. So, yes, I did cheat there. And uh, walked into, uh, I guess it's Porta Entry. Fantastic. I mean, you got everything you could possibly want right there. Uh, if you want to get a fast pass, if you want to get a coffee, uh, restaurant-wise, the whole nine yards. Actually, the best way for me to go through this is to actually go through my day. And then I want to talk about each of the different islands. Uh, for lack of a better word, there, the different sections of the park. And my thoughts on that. And I have been to Disney, so I actually do have a compare and contrast with that. Everybody tells you as soon as you get there, rope drop, you got to run to Hagrid's. You got to run to Hagrid's. So you got to get in line for Hagrid's or you're going to be there all day. I did the exact opposite. I walked in and I saw Hulk, the Incredible Hulk, sitting right there. Now, the Incredible Hulk is a fantastic B&M looping coaster with a launch in the beginning. I also knew they had a single rider line. Now, most of these uh, roller coasters had single rider lines. You know, most of them weren't really working. I'll get into that in a few minutes. So I go to Hulk, figure out the locker system, because unlike uh, most people, I actually didn't have a ticket. I kind of used my phone and you can't have your phone in line. So what I actually ended up doing there was going to the attendant. Uh, He actually gave me a locker thing that it was a pass that I could keep in my pocket. And that was a great system there. Uh, Lockers are free. I'm blown away by. I'm actually somebody who does not complain about the locker system. I go to uh, Six Flags, Cedar Fair, uh, SeaWorld Parks, and I expect to spend $10 a day on lockers just because I love the movable lockers. I like taking them wherever they are. I actually just factor that into my budget every time I go. And if I get a day where it's $6 or it's a day where I don't really need a locker, that's like a win. I can understand why people complain, oh, well, they're free at Universal. Why can't they be free at the other parks? Universal is a much bigger park. Also, Universal, they don't want to take any risk. 
of any accidents. And a lot of these rides, you actually go through uh, different, uh, what's where I'm looking for their uh, metal detectors and stuff like that, just to make sure you don't have anything that's going to fly out. So I go to the Incredible Hulk and uh, I was a little confused in the beginning because you get into a general line and then halfway through, they made an announcement, single rider lines are open. So myself and other people who were single riders got the heck out of line only to find out that, oh, that split is way farther up. So we ended up like losing about a half hour because I got out of line. Then I got back in line because of that announcement. So if you are there looking for a single rider line, what I highly recommend is you stay in the general line. They're going to split you right before the metal detector. So that's a little uh, FYI if you're going there because I didn't know that and I lost a half hour. So I get in single rider line. I jump on Hulk. What are my impressions of Hulk? A lot of people consider it a launch coaster. A lot of people consider it a looping coaster. I actually got a question about this uh, a couple months ago from somebody in regards to it. And I can honestly tell you, I think it's a looping coaster. So yes, it does have a launch, but the launch is really just almost as fast as a cable lift system that they have on I-305 or Skyrush. It really doesn't do much. I mean, they build it up there with the gamma radiation and you're going to shake and all that kind of stuff there. But the truth of the matter is the launch really is to me just a cable system there. This ride is all about the looping and the grand size of Incredible Hulk. Uh, what I think about is it, a great ride. I know that there really wasn't that much of a uh, B&M rattle. I know they retracted recently. All in all, it's it's a ride that I've ridden numerous times before, the floorless models and stuff. It's just on a bigger scale. And all in all, uh, it was a really good ride. Is it a top 50 ride? Probably not. Uh, probably top 100. Really didn't knock my socks off there. The theming's really great. I do enjoy the queue. Uh, because of the single rider line, I did lose a lot of the theming that's in the general queue. But I definitely would do that any other day just to get on the rides quicker there. So did a Hulk first and then ran over went through Seuss Landing, uh, the Lost Continent, and went right to Hagrid's. So I, I was thinking about skipping possibly Hagrid's just because I didn't want to waste hours, uh, hour and a half, two hours in line uh, for a coaster because I'm just somebody who really doesn't like waiting in lines. I decided to do it. I think I'm here. Now, Harry Potter World, I'll get into in a few minutes there, but I can honestly say the theming, going from Seuss Landing to uh, Lost Continent and then going into Harry Potter's World, wow. The transitions are fantastic. Uh, so I get in line for Hagrid's. I don't have any fast pass, so I'm literally going through the queue. It's about 110 minutes. It seemed a little bit less. You know, I'm talking to some Potter people and, you know, trying to figure out what all the different aspects are because I'm, you know, I just started watching the first one the other day with Janine because when we go back to Universal, I like to actually understand some of this stuff. Get in line, great queue. Uh, when you get into the building, uh, fantastic little things. People had to explain to me why there's a dog running around, all that kind of stuff there. But the ride of Hagrid's, wow, I did not expect it to be that good and that adult and that uh, it is a legit coaster it's a moto coaster so it kind of is on the same uh, level as uh, steeplechase or a moto coaster over at Six Flags Darien Lake because it's the same type of model so it fits in there but wow the theming is fantastic the launches are nice and intense everything's just fantastic this ride it went in with so much hype that I did not expect it to be that great. I considered it a family coaster. Wow, it blew me away. Fantastic ride. You know, I can never blame the ride for the line, and that's the case with Hagrid's. I know people pick on it because it's such a long line and all that stuff, but it's really worth it. You need to get on it, and uh, if you get an opportunity where it's under triple digits, minute weight, I would definitely jump on that. And then after that, I went right to Velocicoaster because I wanted that to be number 325. A couple issues with Velocicoaster, and it has nothing to do with the coaster. It's just that 
that apparently one of the trains the day before had an issue. So they were at half capacity. So you got to understand, this is President's Day, which I did not realize going in because those days don't really matter to me. I'm self-employed, so I work every day. So you have a huge crowd, which eliminated all the single rider lines. So the single rider lines over at Hagrid's was taken out because that became like the rich person, uh, fast queue kind of uh, lines there. And that eliminated over at Velocicoaster. So all of a sudden, even though I'm a single rider, I am thrown in with the general public kind of line. Now you're at half capacity because they're only running two trains instead of four because of the issue. It was a 130 minute wait. I waited in line and I actually met up with um, talking with some of the guys that I met uh, over at the Incredible Hulk earlier in the day. And we're going through the line, going through the line. It takes forever. This is a slow line. No, not really moving that fast. When I think I'm almost done, the guy basically said, yeah, you're halfway through it. Once you get into the building, the theming's fantastic. You got the Velociraptors, uh, you know, basically all caged up there, moving, looking at you, blinking, breathing. Fantastic kind of effects. And I finally get in the ride. Quick thing on what I think about the ride, because I'm going to be discussing that on the next episode called Trifecta. We're going to be talking about Iron Quasi. We're going to be talking about Velocicoaster. And the one I just did this week, Pantheon. So that's the next episode. That's going to be an ERT over on Thursday or Friday. Just a a summation, Intamin is back. Intamin really nailed it with this one. Fantastic ride. I was able to get a ride on in the back. I think row 11 because that's kind of my row. Just a fantastic coaster. Definitely worth the hype. Universal knocked it out of the park. Intamin knocked it out of the park. Just a fantastic coaster. Uh, highly recommend it. Yet again, I only got one ride on it because of the line being so huge. And I wanted to explore the park. The three coasters I did, I did not go on uh, the Hippograph just because it was a huge line for a family coaster. And I am all about the credits, but I knew I was coming back with Janine uh, in a couple months just to experience the Harry Potter world. That's in Harry Potter world, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. So, of course, I'm going to be going back there to do that. Coaster-wise, Hulk is fantastic. It's a standard uh, B&M looper. If you're not... A coaster enthusiast, you're going to think this thing's going to knock your socks off. Hagrid, something new, something inventive, amazing. Velocicoaster, Intamin, you knocked it out of the park uh, twice because they did Pantheon too, which is a year later than it should be, but, you know, thank you COVID for that. So the coasters, I got three credits. I'm at 325. I'm happy. Let's talk about the theming. Let's talk about the lands quick. Every island is magnificent. Now, I've gone to the Magic Kingdom. I've gone to Epcot. I've gone to uh, all the Disney stuff there. Animal Kingdom. I've been to Hollywood Studios. When you have a transition at Hollywood Studios, you're in a section there that's Toy Story. Then you turn the corner, and now it's something slightly different, okay? When you go to Magic Kingdom, you go right down the middle. You're right there at the castle. You go to the right. You've got uh, Tomorrowland. you got uh, Fantasyland. you got all the different lands there. When you walk in there, there's a transition. But these transitions are nothing like Universal. When you get onto the next island, the contrast is huge. So let's talk about how I went through. So I get to a port of entry and I decided to go to the right. I actually, I went to Marvel first, tipped my toes into Marvel to get Hulk, but then I went to the right. So I go right into Dr. Seuss land. And when you go there, there is not a straight line at all in this section. Chimneys are shifted. Everything is askew. The colors are magnificent. For a kid section, simply wow. Now, ride-wise, they got some great rides there. They're all family rides. There's no big attraction here at Dr. Seuss Land. It's all family rides. It's You've got a lot of different things there. you got some great stores that have all Dr. Seuss-themed. You have uh, Greed, Eggs, and Ham, so you have a couple of food places there. If you are a fan of unique kid sections, nothing's beating this. This is just a completely immersive experience for kids. I was just, like I said, no attractions there for me. I basically walked through it a few times because 
because really the one interesting thing about it is for me to get to the back where you know Jurassic World and all that is, you have to go through Seussland or Marvel. And really, like I said, I, I'm not a huge fan of that. I know when I go to King's Island to get to Mystic Timbers, I have to go through the kids section. And I kind of like them off the beaten path. I understand why they did it. They want to keep the kids up towards the front. Like I said, if you have children, you know, basically from two to 11, this world is fantastic. Every time you go into a a new world, usually you're going across a bridge because they are islands. Uh, That's basically the whole theme here. So when you go across, uh, the next island you hit is the Lost Continent. Now, the Lost Continent, to me... I'm kind of bummed that it seems like it's disappearing. Now, I don't have any confirmation. I'm not an insider or anything like that. But Lost Continent used to be a lot more immersive. But then Poseidon's Fury went down. There's a whole story on that. They got rid of the Sinbad uh, show, which was huge. So now when you go to the Lost Continent, you really just have Mythos and then the line for Hagrid's. There's a lot of stores on that end there too, but with Poseidon's Fury going down, and I've heard some people saying it's coming back, I've heard other people saying it's going to be taken out. To me, as the Harry Potter world becomes more popular, it just seems like eventually they're going to eat up the Lost Continent and you're going to go from uh, Seuss Landing to Harry Potter world with basically the Lost Continent disappearing. Now, for me, I love the theming of the Lost Continent. Mythos is beautiful. You got that giant trident there with the arm with Poseidon. You got the fountain that talks to you and all that kind of stuff there. But it just seems like the Lost Continent is, lack of a better word, going to be lost over time, which I think is a shame. Maybe... I'm wrong. Maybe they're going to retheme Poseidon's Fury and uh, get that all up to speed and make it a more immersive attraction. Maybe they're going to do something with the uh, Sinbad theater and turn that into an attraction. My fingers are crossed that they don't get rid of it, but my gut's telling me that the Lost Continent might end up at Epic Universe and that might just become an entire uh, wizarding world of Harry Potter. Next section, of course, Harry Potter. Pretty much the Lost Continent has become the cue for Hagrid's. I am not a Potterhead. I don't know much about Harry Potter, but when you walk into this area, it is beyond impressive. If you're looking for the Hogwarts school, it's there. If you're looking for Gringotts Bank, it's all there. You can get wands and the wand picks you and there's so much interactive. I basically just touched on it because I made a promise to Janine that I would not go into Harry Potter world except for Hagrid's. And, and I did look at the Hippograph line. This is what puts Universal on the map. This is what really flipped their uh, the whole world around. And the fact that you have a train that actually goes between the two Harry Potter worlds, the one at Universal Studios and the one at Honest Adventure, it's just amazing. That's all I got to say there is that, you know, the Harry Potter world is an experience by itself. And I know that we are going to have a discussion about that once Janine gets to go there and do her wand stuff and all that kind of stuff. After that, you go to Jurassic World and Jurassic World. Uh, like I said, it was good before, but with Velocicoaster, they have a highlight ride. Like I said, it's a fantastic area. I love the fact that there was so much Velocicoaster merchandise. The exact opposite of what I dealt with with Iron Gwazi, where they had like one or two shirts and a lot of stuff on the old Gwazi. It's almost like they found boxes in the back of the warehouse and said, hey, we got these old t-shirts. Jurassic World, fantastic. You know, they got the highlight real there. They got a lot of flat attractions. They have the uh, water attractions back there. Perfectly themed. Now, the next one, Toon Lagoon, to me, is something that I really fell in love with. And so much so that I actually went to Dagwoods and I got their Dagwood sandwich because I'm like, I remember Blondie in that. A lot of people nowadays, Nickelodeon, kids, uh, you know, have their uh, Cartoon Network. They have, uh, you know, Disney and all that stuff. 
I grew up with the comic strips, Garfield and Dagwood and uh, Beetle Bailey and all that kind of stuff there. So this is really themed towards Generation X and maybe millennials and maybe boomers because a lot of these kids don't understand who Popeye is. They don't understand who uh, Kathy is and all that kind of stuff there. Walking into this world, which was kind of focused for me, I kind of like that. Uh, you know, there's some good attractions there. Uh, of course, you have Dudley uh, Do-Right Falls, which of course was closed because it's off season, uh, which seems to be the highlight attraction of that section there. The stores are fantastic. The world is very immersive and you feel like you're in a comic strip. I mean, yet again, I can honestly say that you go from Jurassic World to Toon Lagoon, you have yourself a huge transition there. It's just a huge change. I mean, you walk into this island and it's comic strips. And uh, the last one, of course, is Marvel, which yet again, I'm so curious on how they're able to do what they do. I guess licensing and all that kind of stuff there, because we all know Disney now has the Marvel Universe, but yet here you have the comic strip versions with uh, Doctor Doom's uh, Drop Tower, you got Hulk, you've got all these different aspects that is more comic book based as opposed to movie based, which I think is kind of neat there. So you're walking through there, Fantastic Four. They have a lot of properties that they focus on at the uh, the Marvel section that they're not going to work on at Disney. You know, they're they're focusing on Fantastic Four. They're focusing on a lot of these Submariner and stuff like that. While you know that Marvel's is going to focus on Avengers. Final thoughts here. The food and flats are fantastic. The food options, there are so many different options. I was disappointed I wasn't able to get into Mythos because I hear Mythos is amazing. And if you have any suggestions on uh, different food places, I only really went to Dagwood's because, yet again, the lines were really huge. And I was was not really, I was there to get those three credits, thinking four, but definitely getting those three credits. So I kind of went, and it was after like four days at amusement park, so I explored a lot more. I did a lot of videos. Um, yet again, if you want to go on YouTube, we have a lot of shorts uh, from these different things here. Let me know about food things. Let me know about your favorite part of Universal because, like I said, I touched base on Universal, but I don't know that much about Universal. Definitely want to learn more. Uh, next time I go to Orlando, I'm not looking to go to Disney. I'm looking to go to Universal, uh, which is uh, kind of change. Um, you know, Janine's going to have to shift a little bit there, so I'll have to potter up. That's where I'm kind of looking there. So, On all, Universal, amazing. It's on the same level as Disney. Don't let the Disney people fool you. Uh, It's more grown up. I can't wait to go to Universal Studios, and I can't wait to see what they're doing with Epic Universe. The next episode we're going to do is we're going to talk about the trifecta. I actually, in a two-week span, was able to ride Iron Gwazi. I was able to ride Velocicoaster, and I just got off Pantheon. So I'm going to talk about those three coasters on ERT on uh, Friday and uh, let you guys know my thoughts on the three coasters on that end there. On Tuesday, we're going back to our regular journey our first year and where did we go after we did our epic Waldemere Kings Island Cedar Point trips we went back to Six Flags Great Adventure because the first time we went it rained so we only got half the coasters so we went back there and did El Toro and we did all those things now I personally don't want to rehash everything we already did instead of us just talking about Great Adventure we're going to talk to a gentleman who is a huge coaster enthusiast a lot of people know him it's Vince Viola basically we're going to do our first break run talk with Vince and Vince is going to talk about you know his experiences of Six Flags Great Adventure he's going to talk about you know a couple things that you may not know he's talk about the safari Hurricane Harbor he's going to talk about his favorite rides it's great to have a new perspective I know you guys love me I know you guys love Janine but you know what you want to hear from other people and Vince is somebody who I've met 
as a coaster enthusiast for the last few years. We bumped into each other at Knobles. We were just talking the other day on the phone about Pantheon. So he's definitely a coaster enthusiast that I'm a big fan of. I love his opinions. He's got a great insight. I love to kick off the break run talk with Vince. Let's get social. If you're interested on Instagram or Facebook, we're 125 Roller Coaster. If you are interested in Twitter, because we've actually been doing a lot more stuff on Twitter, we have it all lined up. Uh, we're 125 Roller Coast. We didn't get the ER, so we're 125 Roller Coast. YouTube. So I have decided that what we are going to do with YouTube is shorts, because why go up against airtime thrills? They're better. Okay, coasters, amazing artwork. It walkthroughs within the loop and all that kind of stuff there. Why do what everybody else is doing? And you know what? When I'm at a park, I, I'm okay shooting a video for about a minute, minute and a half, two minutes, you know, a couple of videos here and there. I don't want to spend my day at the park uh, filming. Like, um, you know, I saw Coaster Studios at Pantheon and they've got a whole setup and they're doing all this stuff. For me, it's not my job. It's a passion we have. Go to YouTube, 125 Roller Coaster Challenge. Uh, you know, subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. I think we have 36 subscribers. We're never going to have millions of subscribers like other guys. If you're looking for just a quick roller coaster thing or a quick thing on mythos that's where you want to go make sure you when you're on uh, the podcast places make sure you subscribe uh, Spotify uh, Apple Podcasts any of those you know we're on them we definitely want subscribers uh, we're going to be doing a lot more episodes we're about uh, 60% done with season 2 uh, after this we're going to be talking about Six Flags New England that's going to be two episodes there we're going to talk about Guazi we're going to be talking about Lake Compounds and of course Maury's Pier so we have a lot more stuff in this season so make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and once again i'm paul and i'm going to see you in the queue in 2022